0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. And welcome back to another episode of Who's Number One? Second time doing the show. This time we have a special guest joining us today. That is a Ricardo A. Mindolia. Welcome to the show, brother.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, pleasure to be on board. And uh, let's just get things started right. I want to call you guys out for something on the rankings. You guys have Merrick Ali as number one. Bushesha's beaten him twice, head to head. You got to change those. Let's let's come on. What's going on, guys? What's think, going on here? And, here? And, spicy,
0: spicy intro, Vichetta, Ricardo. I love it. Beat him
2: twice. I know he beat him. He beat him in uh, 2016 in the open class. But has he, has he? When was the other time? When was the second time? Or 2017? Recently, open
1: just recently at Worlds. Didn't he happen again. Remember the big call out? And he's pointing no, at Mario? that it, that, it, that, yeah.
2: that that was when Keenan uh, beat Marigali. My bad. It doesn't yeah, matter. Head
1: to head, he beat him once. Changed those rankings. Bucicza still the man. You, you in here, man? Come on. Now, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah, he's got the head to head, but I mean, I just, I, uh, I, I bumped up Nicholas based just off of this incredible year, and I, I think the level of difficulty, all the submissions over top ranked guys, top twenty pound for pound guys, but yeah, I mean, a great, great argument for
1: Buchecha what? as well, but. But but big but is look at the guys Buchesha's beaten previous open champions, Bernardo Faria, Rodolfo Vieira. So there's a different category when you look at the head to head. It's not just about Buchesha against Marigali, it's about who Buchesha has beaten, former open champions. Change those rankings, Michael Sears. Let's yeah, do this.
2: We try to keep it uh more current though. I mean Bucecha, if you look at his career, there's no there's no argument. But we try and keep it more current just just so you know, uh just just keep it uh relative to what's going on now. To you know so people are really going after those rankings and it keeps going but yeah if it was a career thing but checha i mean there's no question he's over nicholas and yeah he won the absolute this year but i mean i just think nicholas has been more active and, and has a better resume recently
1: i get it makes sense but i'm sure what do you, do you, can, think? you know what do you think but, chase
2: chase you're the tiebreaker here who are you, who are you going with your number that's one? that's why we about? got three heads in yeah. here
0: man i think work rate matters you know Pound for pound, I don't want to see it get bogged down. I love Bushesha. I love watching him compete. He brings a fire, and I, I'd love to see that match happen again. But Marigali's more active, man, and um, I, I think more impressive world's performance this most recent time around. Plus, he's come back and backed it up again with a BJJ star's win. So my, my vote is for Marigali, but, you know, it's it's not written in stone. That could very well change. So let's see if Bushesha gets back out there sometime yeah. soon. Great chance it
2: changes later this month because, I mean, Marigali's in – Maybe the toughest heavyweight bracket of all time coming up
0: in the in Korea.
1: That's right. That's right,
0: Ricardo. Let's talk a little about Spider now. that it's right there at the tip of our tongues. Are you excited for that event or what?
1: Oh, it's insane. Um, unprecedented prize money. The brackets are, are are crazy. I know. If you know, some people like the brackets. Some people don't like it. I personally think it's, it's exciting either way. Um, there's going to be new faces, new guys out there fighting. You know, Hadolph back. What, what's what's not to say about Spider? I mean, it's a new event, and I think that a lot of the North American audience doesn't really understand so much about the event. But um, man, you gotta tune in. I've had I've already had people, you know, messaging me asking if I'm commentating, and unfortunately, the people's commentator is not going to be going to Korea this time out. But it's going to be an awesome event.
0: The people's commentator, the voice of jiu-jitsu. Yeah, man. We got Rodolfo Vieira back in the gi, $100,000 on the line in both divisions. That's a total of $200,000. Spider is going to be fire.
2: What if uh, What if Kainan wins that? Kainan might be the new number one if he wins that thing. He's, he would have to beat probably Low, Adolfo, and Marigali in three straight matches after the year he had. He'd have a great great case for pound-for-pound for pound number one after that.
0: Uh, yeah, we're actually looking right now at, at the 76-kilogram bracket. We'll come back to that a little bit later. Uh, Caleb is an eager beaver back there That's our producer, <laughs> thanks Caleb But we, we jumped into this a little bit impromptu But Ricardo, this is his fault really By bringing up Marigali, Veshesha. But I'm hyped, um, Marigali watch right, you take on Tim Spriggs in the very first round uh, And the whole bracket analysis And predictions article that, that Michael Wrote up this morning, just went live on the website You can check that out now on FlowGrappling.com. A lot of good stuff there What is the, the most fire first round match to you? A spider? That's fighter. I mean, you got a, a rematch of the World Final. You talking about 76 now or 100? Let's do 100. We're, we're on 100. Let's just jump I mean, right if in.
2: you're talking first round, uh, you got a, a, the rematch of the World Final of uh, Kainan and Lowe, but I, I think the one I'm most interested in is Rodolfo Vieira versus Anderson Munoz. That's just a, a really interesting matchup. Yeah,
0: I mean, that is definitely what you would call a, a clash of generations there. We have Anderson, who is a, a brown belt world champion, versus, of course, the legendary Rodolfo Vieira, I think a five-time world champion. Correct me if I'm wrong there. And... Uh, I think Anderson's got a really modern game. You know, he's he's an up and coming prospect. And Rodolfo uh, ran through the GEE competition last time he did it back in 2018 at Black Belt CBD. Uh, Amazing performance there.
2: Yeah, he beat Ali, who was the reigning Black Belt World Champion of Super Heavyweight at the time. Ricardo, what do you make of that
1: matchup? Love that match. Um, You know, you guys have been uh, talking high praises about the Munez brothers for a while. Uh, You know, I've been watching them a little bit too. And it's going to be really cool to see, you know, anytime you have like a debuting person you know either whether a brown belt or going against a black belt, like a copa podio or a spider style or just a debuting black belt with this amount of hype going against one of the greatest of all time it's going to be something special i mean the big question is can hudolfo keep up with the pace having been off yeah he fought in the black belt cbd a year ago um you know i mean let's not forget I think he's a current usc fighter with a win just a few weeks ago maybe that, three- that's I'm surprised he's even doing this, to tell you the truth. And he's got another match after a week later. I, I can't believe that he's thrown his hat into the mix, but I love it. I love it. I love it. it's going to be on flow. It's going to be crazy. I- I'm i going to predict that that match is going to be one of the best in the tournament because Muniz has nothing to lose. He's just going to attack Adolfo from start to finish. That's going to be fireworks.
2: How does Adolfo even do this training camp? Because he's got maybe the toughest heavyweight gi bracket of all time, and then two weeks later he's got Gordon Ryan, the best guy no gi. So I mean, he's got to be training for both of them at the same time simultaneously.
1: It's got to be pretty crazy for his comeback. I I half believed that he's doing any of these. I, I could not believe it. He's a current UFC fighter. Um, I can't believe that the UFC would allow him to go be going against Gordon Ryan. That's crazy. But going in Spider <laughs> first, you know what I mean? <laughs> let's yeah, let's not say anything. But. I think, you know, going against such a stacked bracket at Spider, that's, that just shows um, the true nature of Adolfo. He's a true competitor. You know, he came back a year ago, hadn't fought since 2015. I can't wait to see him against a guy like Marigali or any one of those killers in that bracket.
2: Uh, we got a shout-out here in the comments. Uh, Vinicius Agudo, Vinicius Agudo, uh, says you got a fire mustache. Fire emojis
0: for your mustache right now. Thank you, Vinny. <laughs> Vinny has a fire academy up there in Dallas, Texas. I would, You should go check it out if you're up in the, that area. But uh, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here. Before we run away with the conversation, we have some important uh, results uh, analysis and some ranking updates that happened over the weekend. Busy weekend for Jiu-Jitsu, especially in the Gi. Man, I have to say I was really excited to see some, some Gi competition come back into to the play here.
2: Yeah, things are really getting going. We had a uh, uh, stacked uh Long Beach open, a lot of uh, a lot of new black belts made waves uh this week in Long Beach and in Rio at the AJP event. and Then we had some good stuff uh, and Fight to Win 130 where mean you were in Denver.
0: Yeah, yeah. so let's ju- let's jump right in. So I think we'll we'll cap off uh Fight to Win 130 as the biggest result there was of course uh Tim Spriggs beating Herbert Santos.
2: Yeah, speaking of Spider, there's two guys that are
0: in there. Exactly, exactly. Erberth uh made a late entry into spider late last week with some big news there and uh he's in the same bracket as Tim Spriggs and yeah Tim looked, Tim looked phenomenal out there. there's a lot of work you know not not so much uh action on the ground but definitely high work rate uh on on the standup game there. I
2: think he just pushed the pace more. He was moving forward. He was he was nothing really happened, but he was attacking more. He was attempting more takedowns, getting closer. Ricardo, what do you think about that match?
1: I thought it was awesome. Um you know seeing Tim at ADCC he really kind of demonstrated like a new version of Tim Spriggs. I, I like to refer to him as Tim Spriggs 2.0. He was super aggressive, submission attempts. And in this match with Urberth, I really liked how he mixed up his wrestling and his judo, took herbert down with kind of like a double leg towards the edge there, was grinding, trying to do that amasa pound, trying to put the gi inside of his throat and stuff. He's a very aggressive fighter. I, I loved watching his match. I think it was a great match. And, you know, it was a last-minute match. They fought before. They trained together before. So it was pretty heated. It was really cool to see um Erber Santos. You never know what you're going to get with that guy, you know? What I mean, one minute he's knee-barring a guy the next match he's looks like he peed his pants or something. You don't know what's going to yeah. happen. So it's always to... crazy. Yeah, it's it's just you never know what match you're going to get with Erberth, but that was an exciting one. But let's see what happens if they meet in Spider. That's the big question. Is is Erberth, the old Erberth going to come back? The aggressive Erberth that everyone loves to watch and hate?
2: Well, Urbeth's going to have Calisans first. I think, I mean, it's a safe bet to th- say Urbeth is going to make it to the semifinals. And then Spriggs would have to beat Marigali to, to have that rematch. But
0: yeah. Ur- Urbeth-Marigalli rematch is definitely something uh, I'm sure Nicholas wants back after the, was that, 2016
2: yeah, couple podium match? Nicholas was a brown boat at the time when Urbeth beat him. Urbeth tapped, what, knee-barred him, I believe.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but that's a yeah. grudge
2: match. Those guys talk a lot of trash to each other on, on in Portuguese on Instagram comments,
0: so that'd be a fun one to watch. Michael Lear Jr. also made his uh, Denver debut, if you want to call it that. I think we even have a clip of this back there. Um, Michael Lear came out and just smashed that fight to win. Looked, looked phenomenal. Got a submission win in 30 seconds there. But not a lot of rankings movement, right, Michael, given the, the nature of the matchup?
2: Yeah, I just moved him up one. Uh, the guy, it was just a local guy that he was fighting. So it wasn't a, a, a big win, but, I mean,
0: he looked great. He looked very sharp. So here going for the Barambolo. Great clip. I, I love when we uh, get right in there on the action. Michael Lear actually had his car towed that morning and yeah. managed to oh, wow. come through that adversity and uh, he, come he, back with him impression. He,
2: he showed up, coached Pete O'Neill, and then went to the impound to get his car out in the middle of the event and then
1: came back to get this submission.
0: Ricardo, have you gotten to train with uh, Michael at all?
1: No, I, I've never trained with Michael, uh, but I've been following his career since a brown belt over the years. Um, you know, I saw him compete in a lot of different organizations. I, I love watching his style; it's so technical. Uh, it's not—I mean, he could do it all. He could play points, he can go for submissions, and he's training in one of the best rooms in the world at Atos HQ. I'm not trying to be biased, but whatever. <laughs> but you know, he's definitely—he's got a—you know—he's got a room full of killers to train with. Um, super nice guy, very quiet guy, very humble. Uh, person, So always a pleasure to see him do well at the highest level. Yeah, yeah. Michael's a lot of
0: fun to watch,
2: man. He's that... got this interesting warm-up that he does. I, I put up that video of his Wim Hof breathing routine. Mm-hmm. Where he does all the – yeah, that tense breathing routine and uh... – he got me into it. I've been doing it for three days now. Michael, Michael showed me how to do it. gave gave me the rundown, and yeah. What what happens when you're? It's supposed to calm you down. You relax. What does it do? I don't know. They tell you to do it laying down so that you you don't like pass out He was out laying and hurt down. He was, he, yeah, was he was sitting, sitting down. Up. He was on meds, so he was safe. But uh, I was watching some YouTube videos. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. You just uh, some deep breathing stuff, holding your breath for a while, and uh, he's really into like. Yoga and like stretching, and, like meditation type of stuff to relax himself before uh, uh, competing, which is the, you know a uh, contrast to a lot of guys who like to you know get fired up and jump around and slap
0: themselves or whatever. It was pretty interesting to watch. I think anything's better than what I what we saw Herbert do, which was sit in the darkness until yeah. like 20 minutes before. <laughs> Not even his 20. Match. I think like
2: 10 minutes. They told me there's two matches left or something. I think, and he was yeah just sitting up in the bleachers in the darkness. You know, one, one of our
0: jobs when we go to these tournaments is to is to hype up the upcoming matches, and usually that means the guys warming up doing something interesting like the Wim Hof breathing. Erberth wasn't doing a whole lot of interesting uh, stuff. He just kind of lording over the tournament up in the rafters. Yeah, so.
2: and then I I went to go film him uh, doing his warm up, and he was running the stairs, and then he just ran up the stairs and didn't come back. At one point, he just walked <laughs> the off and the lost them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, classic Erberth. Classic Erberth. Another uh, impressive showing. Maybe, maybe the standout match of the night for me was, was Manuel Hibamar taking on Mauricio Oliveira. Oh, that one was crazy. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot, a lot of hype coming in behind uh, Manuel, or excuse me, Mauricio Oliveira in that match. As he's a young, up-and-coming black belt with a lot of fire under him, but Hibomar just went out there and looked like a, a gangster, man. That was awesome.
2: Passed his guard, super quick. Uh, Hibamar is a guy that I feel is really turning a corner. Like he was always a guy that he would. Beat a good person and then lose in the quarterfinals or whatever. But, I mean, he went out in Los Angeles. He beat Hinaldo Jr. I think we
0: uh, got a clip of this, too, by the way, back there, Yeah, through, we Caleb. got a
2: clip of the guard pass. He, he went out in Los Angeles, beat Hinaldo Jr., tonoko and Azaki, and then goes here and beats number seven-ranked
0: Mauricio Oliveira. So, I mean, he's not he, – Nope, nope, not this clip. I can see in the queue it's a uh, Manuel Hipomar with an R, though, so like Ribomar. But that that danged Portuguese gets a little tricky over there. There we go. Here there we, we, we go. go. And uh, sorry, Michael. Go on.
2: Uh yeah I just I mean he's He's ranked number three right now I couldn't I, I can move him up Over Izaki this week Because Izaki Got a uh, win in a super fight too But I mean he's He's banging on the door he, I mean he's really Turning a corner And he's starting to beat Top ranked guys consistently It's really nice to watch He's a good, one of the nicest guys In Jiu Jitsu
0: These guys were having Dinner together We, we got some pizza or No pasta uh, himmar was Was very uh, Deliberate with his choice We had family style Pink sauce pasta With shrimp Chicken And sausage I believe And it was awesome <laughs> But they were just spe- like Hanging out like old friends
2: yeah and uh yeah it was it was pretty interesting to watch that you know the night before they have their fight they just go out to dinner with each other and joke around but yeah once they met started they, they weren't friends anymore Hibamar went for the kill he got that guard pass i guess a very tough competitor mauricio i mean mauricio is a guy who i mean he beat levi he beat Guccieri, he's beat a lot of good people already at black belt one world's at blue purple and brown he's one of the people i'm picking to do good this year but i mean hibomar
0: i wouldn't be surprised if him gets a major this year Yeah, he's looking phenomenal. Uh, He just opened a school with with his wife, Nachielli, another world champion, black belt, down there in San Antonio, Texas. Texas jiu-jitsu, huh? Coming up. Got some really good guys hanging out in the state. Um, It's all in the barbecue, guys. It's all in the barbecue. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, (laughs) Well, Hippermore's got that
2: Manaus savagery, too. It's the of Brazil, Manaus. Those
0: guys aren't playing. You know a bit about Manaus, don't you, Ricardo?
1: yeah. Yeah, I actually got to train uh, the same academy that Hibamar trained in, called Klub Pina, um, Mestrapina. The guy who's the owner there. Um, Erberth actually trained a little bit there. A lot of a lot of top guys from Manaus came out of that academy. I went to Manaus in two thousand four, two thousand five, and two thousand six, and uh, trained there. And it's yeah, it's crazy, man. And the one thing is, is um, I always remember it was like a tight space, but like thirty black belts in the room, and uh, Pina would always say. Tight space, tight technique. (laughs) So his 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 theory was like if you had a huge room, people were like throwing and sweeping each other all over the room, so you really didn't have control of the scrambles. So I kind of understood it later. You know, people were bumping each other and kind of wrestling all over each other. But the theory was if you if you know somebody's behind you, you retaliate, get back up, get on top, and sweep them because you have to. Otherwise, you're just gonna smash somebody's face or something. But yeah, Manaus is crazy. Like you said, they're calling it the Dagestan of Brazil for jiu-jitsu. There's so many good guys there, so many tough guys that no one's heard about. How did you look um, at there? That, I feel like it's yeah, not cool. an obvious
0: choice for a Canadian to, to end up down in Manaus as a, as a blue belt. What were, you, what were you doing? What was going on in your life that landed you in Manaus?
1: Yeah, so it was uh 2004. Um, I was just dating my wife. It was my girlfriend at the time, and uh, she's from Manaus. So she'd actually trained at Jacare's Academy for a little bit, some other gyms there. So I went to Rio to go watch the world championships for, and then I did like a training camp a little bit before that I went to Rio watch the Worlds, And then I went to visit her and her family in Manaus. And then there wasn't really much to do other than just train jujitsu and like go bowling or something at night. So I got to train <laughs> jujitsu a lot in the day. Um, you know, it was, it was a really cool experience, super tough training. Uh, I got to actually compete out there. I don't want to get into that. I don't end up sounding like Al Bundy out here, but uh <laughs>
2: Go know, ahead,
1: I, was the Go only, I was the only Canadian to win the Copa Osvaldo Alves back Lopez in the Valdo. day. But...
2: Oh, legendary Osvaldo Alves. Yeah. <laughs> Pete the Greek.
1: Yeah, big yeah. fan of Osvaldo. That's Alves. it. Uh, That's it. Yeah. That's it. Uh, weird. Hibmar and uh, Erberth
2: were actually roommates out there in Denver, and they were talking about, uh, or er- Hibmar was telling us how they trained together when they are like orange belts or something at uh, Master Penis.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I've been to a lot of gyms, and um, I'll start looking at pictures of where the academy owner is, like Alex Martins, another guy that came from there. I was visiting his gym years ago when he was still Paragon, and I'm looking, I'm like, man, this gym looks familiar. And then coincidentally, he was like, yeah, I trained at Pina, and you, know, you meet a lot of guys from that place, but very, very tough environment for sure. Uh, one FC champion, Bibiano Fernandez, is from there. Uh, Carlos Orlando Vieira, just a ton of tough guys. Definitely, uh, we're trying to figure
0: out a way to end up down there in Manaus, but... Uh, we've even been discouraged by some, some Brazilians uh, that are from the area, or from Rio at least. They're like, you don't want to go to Manaus. Go back to Rio. They're like, Manaus is too gnarly. Don't go there. You better be careful. You're going to go down there and get married like me, Ricardo, and How. Howe.
2: That, yeah. you know, may, that's why I got this job. But <laughs> <Yeah>. Half half of <laughs> well, the that,
1: with... grappling content teams married to Brazilians. <laughs> Well, Chase, with that mustache, you're gonna have no problems finding a Brazilian wife. I'll tell I you think that I much. look a
0: lot like a cop with this earpiece in. I feel like you know the cop vibe was coming on strong, but now I look very Secret Service with my my earpiece here. F- All right, so, FBI, so, uh, FBI.
2: We also had some action in Long Beach. IBJJF Long Beach Open. How was there working that one.
0: Yeah, had, we had some great matches there. It's a little bit small. you know. Not, it wasn't a major tournament, but still some fire matchups and impressive performances. Uh, I guess one of the biggest movers in the ranking terms is, is Jake Watson really uh, came out strong in the Long Beach Open there.
2: Yeah, we have a clip there, uh, Caleb, for uh, Jake Watson and Orlando Montero where uh, Jake Watson actually uh, swept him, almost mounted him, took his back. Big win for him here. He jumps up from number 20 to number 7 because a big win over Orlando, and he won this tournament. And, uh this this is the thing right now is a lot of uh, first year black belts are are climbing the rankings high because you, you plug them in low when they when they first get promoted and now they're going out there they're beating vets so you got to start moving them up.
0: Yeah, Jake Watson has some of the most entertaining jiu jitsu in the game. He's he's been killing everything at, at Brown Belt, man. He's been in a lot of fun, some wars with Ronaldo, some uh, Ronaldo Junior there, and uh, I'm excited to see him see him mix it up with the, with the elite level now.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think he's. I mean, he's got great potential there. He's been doing no uh, good nogi too. He took second at nogi pans, and uh, yeah, he's someone I think moves up a lot this year. And uh, who else? We had double gold at uh, black belt. There was Ronaldo Jr., another new black belt. Mm. Cut down to middleweight. Obviously, you know, Atos is just loaded at medium heavyweight. They already have Nassar, Hulk, and Brigna, so maybe he made the weight cut off of that. But you know, one double gold also <laughs> tapped Orlando at the tournament.
0: Yeah, Ronaldo Jr. is definitely a workhorse man. I, when we were out there, I, I rode to Worlds at, at Atos HQ. He was pushing everybody around. It didn't matter what their size was. He was just so fast and relentless. He's a terrifying athlete. Caleb, we have a
2: clip. I think it says Ronaldo armbar. It's his arm lock over Honol- or Orlando Montero. Ricardo, did you see this one where he's defending the footlock from the footlock?
1: Yeah, 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 that was insane. It yeah, was, no, I did, I did and know it's funny because it's yeah, very nice.
2: Yeah, this is how shot this on his camera. Yeah, so. Orlando drops back on a on a footlock
1: it's trying to get that yeah it's trying to get the straight foot then watch this little spin out yeah as he turns to oh, his oh. watch this on the shoulder boom that's right crazy up. man. Yeah. that is so cool
2: talk about that footlock defense huh straight to an arm lock.
1: <laughs> and you, you know Orlando Orlando is super tough and he look he made that look easy that's what's crazy I mean I've 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 never trained with uh, uh, Ronaldo I've talked to Andre about him in the past and The thing with him is he says, man, he just doesn't stop moving. He'll start training at one end of the gym and end up on the other. He's just all over the place, tons of movement, tons of crazy techniques. So it's really exciting to watch him in the black belt division. Now, uh,
0: another Atos star, Jessica Khan, not only won her division, but got bumped up to Brown belt. That's huge news.
2: Yeah. I mean, she's, uh, she was ranked number one at her weight and, uh, pound for pound, uh, if, uh, you just want, yeah, there you go. And, uh, yeah, she then, uh, got promoted. Now she's going to be going to Brown, Bow, which is, you know, it makes sense. There was nothing left for her to do at purple. She won everything last year, won the world pro won Euros, won pans and worlds. And, uh, look at her. This is absolute division. She goes out in the absolute division. She's tiny. She's a, a female rooster.
1: She's probably like a hundred pounds and goes out there and beats these way bigger girls. Yeah. yeah she's, she's got her technique is amazing. It's beautiful. Sorry to interrupt you, but I've been praising Jessica on for, you know, a few years now. And it's just, this is it. You see the highest level of modern jujitsu through athletes like Jessica. I uh, just props to Professor Hoffman Gee for a tremendous job they've done with her for sure.
2: You know what I'm excited about with her, because now that she's brown you know what that means. We're gonna get a we're gonna get a Jessica Maiausa match sooner or later. Oh, at uh, AJP. Ooh. Yeah, she's gonna be in there fighting the fighting the black belt. Maybe Rakako. Rakako doesn't do much besides worlds, but I mean Maisa's at all those AJP AJP events, so I think. And it's not going to be long before we see that matchup. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be... Her going against Maissa sort of reminds me of, like, Talison at the next level. We're, we've mm. never really seen her tested at her weight class. So it's going to be interesting seeing her against these elite people, how it goes down.
0: Yeah, yeah. Definitely looking forward to Taliesin taking on someone like Mikey Musumeci or yeah. Amalficini, and even. Both
2: of them at their, you know, rooster weight divisions have just been stomping people for years. Like, just tapping their way through the biggest tournaments in the world. So it would be fun to see them against the highest people.
0: How do you... um? How do you rank someone like Jessa who moves to a new belt off of an impressive, you know, almost perfect uh, purple belt career?
2: I mean, usually, I mean, this, well, this is what's tough with the purple and browns right now. It's like you got to mix in people who are still brown from last year with people who were purple belts from last year. I mean, a lot of times, like, when Tynan went up, even though he's a stud, he's, you know, a prodigy, I, I started him in like, number seven because brown middle is super tough. I mean, Jessa, just off of her resume and the fact that a lot of these other girls who are ranked at brown, rooster, are. Furball is coming in, too. I could see her even going in at number one. I haven't updated brown female this week, but I, I think pound for pound should be pretty low, but brown rooster is not the deepest weight class out there. I could That's see fair. Jessa taking it over
0: pretty quick. More movement in the, in the women's ranks here. Maybe some movement I don't entirely agree with. We have a new... Uh, Queen of Light Feather Anna, Anna Rodriguez there With her performance At AJP Tour Michael tell me What happened there Well this girl She's an, she's another first year Black Belt
2: She won uh, Worlds at Brown about This year She's coming out Of the Dream Art Project Which we talk about All the time on this show And then uh, Yeah uh, She's just been killing it In the AGP event Since she got She won LA Grand Slam She beat Amanda Montero Black Belt World Champ She beat them all She's beaten them all Four times now Which is crazy Talk about wow. consistency She beat them all Four times So she beat Amanda Montero And then she beat them all Then she goes to the uh, Queen of Mets she lost to a much bigger Louisa, but, I mean, she beat Bianca Basilio and Maissa in the Queen of Mets, who are both number one at their weight class. So she beat two weight class number ones at the Queen of Mets, and then goes to win her, her weight, where she beats Amal again, and beats Talita Alencar in the final. So, I mean, she's beat several black belt world champions, black belt number ones, and, I mean, Tammy's got a great resume.
0: You took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Tammy Musamechi, current world champion. Is it enough to to upset her from the number one spot?
2: I think you you going to start knocking people off sooner or later. We got to keep them current. But I mean, yeah, Tammy. You look at Tammy's run at the world. She beat three world champs. She beat Toledo, She beat Jesri, and she beat Amanda. That's
0: exactly what I'm saying. But
2: I, I'm looking at <laughs> I'm looking at Anna Rodriguez's resume, where she has also beat Amanda and Toledo. She beat two of those three, and then so she, uh, Tammy's got the Jesri win, but then Amanda throwing the four of them all wins. You got Bianca Basilio's a big win. My is a big win. I mean, yeah, I, I just – Anna Rodriguez has been on a tear. It'll be fun to see how she does this year in her first year at Black Belt.
0: Uh, there's no denying that Anna is an incredible competitor. She's training now out of that DreamArt project, uh, the, the thing that Alliance has going there with the Zaki Bahiaans. Uh They seem to be really making strides as far as competition success there.
2: Yeah, I mean, basically, like, probably like a quarter of the number ones at uh, Purple and Brombo, it seems like, are uh, DreamArt people. They got a, a – they were stacked last year, and then they went out they – had you know application process and more athletes came down there and now they got it got even more people they got a ridiculous amount of talent i think they they just rented a bus and took like 30 athletes to the to the rio grand slam from Paulo.
0: Wow. ricardo have you seen so I,
1: anything like that before no i mean uh from what i understand i think that they have a dream art in manaus too right michael yeah um,
2: michael Mike, michael galvao Mel- uh, Melky galvao is running it now so that's like going to be their their farm system sort of i believe
1: yeah, I mean, I think that we've seen a lot of the top teams have very professional atmospheres for their students, but nothing like this uh, from what Howell and you've been saying. Um, they're providing everything for the athletes. They're taking it really professionally, you know, providing them English lessons and uh, personal trainers and all sorts of stuff. So that I think stuff like that's going to really take jiu-jitsu to the next level. And all of the athletes that are in the Dream Art projects, um, they're all very talented. You know, that Michael Galvao kid,
0: Kids, that's
1: scary. That's insane. I mean, he's... I don't know if you guys know, or the listeners know too much about him. Blue belt, and he actually, in my house, he uh, caused a lot of controversy because he he called out black belts and said, I want to compete against black belts. And not too many people wanted to do it because, you know, you have a lot to lose. You lose against the blue belt kid. But uh, one guy did. He was... uh, I forget his name. He was from Cloby Pina. Super tough guy. I saw him compete at the AJP Tour in Rio last year. And not only did Galvão... Uh, beat him, but he arm-locked him. So, I mean, this kid is – it's insane, you know. And uh, He has a lot of big wins against a lot of the top juveniles from Blue and Purple Belt. So just keep your eye on this kid if you don't know him about him already.
2: Yeah, about about half of the original Dream Art team from last season was actually Manaus people, Manoeros, whatever they call them, that had moved down to Sao Paulo. But yeah, you look at you, know, you got Ma- Michael Gavial, you got another kid up there in Manaus at Malky Vasco, Diogo Diogo Hayes. who d- They both did double grand slams. They're teammates, right? Yeah, they they both did double grand slams in at uh, juvenile last year. And then you got the Muniz brothers. You got Ana Rodriguez. You got uh, Hui Alves won the Blue Belt Open Class last year. Uh, Anderson Diaz number one at Purple Middle. Lucas Gualberto, number one at Brown Middle. They got a crazy crew of uh, kids down
1: there. Yeah, it's just and and sorry to interrupt, and it's it's funny because how long has this project been open? Less a year, a year,
2: like a year, yeah, maybe less than a year.
1: So in one year, look at all the results they have. Numbers don't lie. You know what I mean? They're doing the right thing. Um, they're putting the athletes in the right environment. They're, you know, they're they're looking at the best prospects for the project. And yeah, it's insane where they're going to be in a couple years from now.
0: I think it's worth noting, um, that. I mean, We've mentioned it before, but they're not just providing jiu-jitsu training. You know, they're providing physical therapy, education. Those kids are learning English. Yeah. You know, it's it's really building up a, a program for success, and it's not it's not taking kids out of maybe, you know, an environment where they could learn other skills. They're actually maybe in a better environment than ever before. So it's really, really impressive.
2: Yeah, we're going to have a few of them actually on our Who's Number One event that's going to be coming up uh, sometime early 2020 before PANS. I've already been just uh, – In communication with the team, I think Mikael Galvao, I think Eric Muniz, I think think a few of their guys are going to be coming up from Brazil to do that event. So it's going to be pretty cool.
0: That's right, guys. So if you weren't watching the show last week, um, we're going to have our own event. It's called Who's Number One? And as you might guess, that's related to the rankings. We're going to pit... Elite level, uh, up and coming, you know, competitors, color belts against one another. Find out who is the best. We're talking number four versus number five, number three versus number one, and it's just to, to get these matches that we're all dying to see.
2: Yeah, give these young guys some shine. You know, help them grow their name. Uh, put on a cool event for
0: us. All, all good for everybody all around. The show should be headlined by maybe one or two elite level black belt matches. We're still putting those together, but we're targeting. Looks like we're targeting pre pans. Pre pans in Southern California. So that's that we're inching our way along you may have seen on our instagram yesterday that seth daniels will be help, helping us out with the production of the event always good to have seth involved keeps keeps things exciting
2: yeah team no sleep you saw how they did they do it at fight to win how they did it at
0: adcc it's great to have those guys on your side so it should be a, a lot of fun ricard are you excited for who's number one?
1: Oh, i or can't wait uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i mean i saw the i i never really i'm not a big wrestling fan i just i didn't come from that uh sport so uh, I saw Who's Number One Wrestling a few years ago on Flow, and I was like, oh my God, what is this? So I always wanted something like that for Jiu Jitsu. I thought it was such a cool concept, and uh, I'm excited to see this. I can't wait to see what Super fights we put on the top. I heard some things. I heard some things. I won't say, I won't mention names, but could be exciting. That's all I'm going to say.
2: I believe the People's Commentator is going to be down there in San Diego <laughs> for
1: this one. I think they're calling you into action. I volunteer to go to San Diego anytime.
0: I actually saw a, someone, someone memed us um, saying, like, uh, multiple times. You know that, that meme where someone turns around, looks over their shoulder, and their girlfriend gets upset? I'm sure you guys have seen that like a million times. Like, the, the cool new thing walks by. And the, the, the meme basically said, like, we ignore all the world champions and we're excited about, like, these young purple belt fly or featherweights. It's like, are, is it wrong of us to be excited about prospects? I feel like that, that's only a good thing.
2: Hey, the way things are, I mean, you look at these guys, they come out of the juvenile level. They win purple by their first year, then brown belt the, the next year, and then they're they're beating the, ne- the top black belts within two years of being juveniles. I mean, it's just how it is. These guys are coming; they're flying through blue, purple, and brown, and then they're
0: hit, hitting the ground running at black belts. So these guys are going to be they're going to be the top black belts in a couple of years. Yeah, I think I think it's obvious that you want to catch catch them while they're coming up. you know, you, we want to have that footage. We want to have the, the analysis of their game. We want to know what's going on early, so that way when they are at black belt. They're not some mystery. <laughs> Speaking of up-and-comers,
2: another uh, great performance in Long Beach, Roberto Jimenez. Uh, yes. Roberto Jimenez, another
0: double goal performance, I believe, tapped everybody. I think we even have a, a, a clip of that. Is that true? Do we have an asset of Roberto? Maybe we do. Maybe we don't. Um, I do see a yeah, there we go. Yeah, clip in, in the <sighs> queue there. Um, Roberto, of course, famously did that insane purple belt double gold where he submitted 10 out of 10 opponents. Yeah. It's nice to see him replicating some of that success of brown belt. Roberto is definitely a top talent. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but uh, we did a nice little flow film on Roberto as well. That was pretty cool.
2: This is all just classic. You know, I think he finished. This is absolute final, gets a triangle, but the first one's classic. Roberto just creates a scramble pass in the guy's guard, he gets on the back and taps him. So, yeah, tapped his way through the tournament. Uh, Roberto moves up to number two behind. Uh, Eric Muniz at heavyweight after that performance. So, I mean, hard to pass Eric. Uh, Eric also won the AJP event in Rio. But, yeah, I mean, those are
0: now one and two at heavyweight. You had the last two Purple Boat Open Class champions in Eric and Roberto. That sounds like an interesting, perhaps, who's number one matchup. But that's that's what's fun is we get to watch these guys come up through the ranks and, uh, you know, get those going in our minds. So, yeah, stay tuned for all those who's number one uh, results. An-
2: another guy in Long Beach who tapped everyone, Jansen Gomez.
0: He's coming up. That that checkmate kid is, is really destroying some Dude, people the there, he, ta- huh? he tapped Mateus Rodriguez. Huge win for him. He's yeah. kind of a, the nemesis of Atos, it seems like. He's taken out a few of those guys. He beat, is it? AOJ guys, Tynan yeah. as well? He
2: beat Tynan. Uh, Tynan has beat him, but he beat Tynan in the last one in the world final. And, uh, yeah, look at this clip of him tapping Mateus Rodriguez. Mateus, I mean, everybody knows Mateus Rodriguez is a beast, man. Chance some something special.
1: Yeah, Jansen and his brother uh it's just amazing competitors. Yeah, they look at that. actually orig- back originally that. back Originally from uh else. originally training with Ricardo Vieira. Closer in there I
0: couldn't quite see his... what happened, but man,
1: he had a lot of time on the clock left too. There
0: was 5 minutes left in that match. Yeah,
1: happened pretty quick.
0: So, yeah, they're, they're fight zone guys, right? Cantagallo
2: guys. They originally
1: fights Yeah, they originally fight zone guys. Uh, Ricardo used to have a uh Ricardo used to have a project in the slum there and they're originally from that project. But, uh, yeah, they're amazing. His brother was a total stud. I remember
2: purple, it was like him, Mason from AOJ, and uh, Kennedy. Kennedy and used to always fight each other. It was like those three
0: were the killers at Light Feather. Speaking of Patagallo, sorry, Ricardo, I was going to say Jackson Souza had a great weekend as well, right? He was down there at AJP and uh, beat Joao Gabriel Hosha at the King of Mats.
2: Yeah, Jackson, big win over uh, Joao Gabriel. I was surprised. I mean, he had just lost really bad to Berginha. 15-0 15 0 at BJ Stars, and he goes out and beat Joao Gabriel Hosha who basically usually only loses to Buchecha.
0: Uh, insane performance from Jackson. Definitely one of the biggest wins of his career, especially lately. Kit Canaria, like
2: Ernest, you're number one. Thank you, Kit. Shout out to number two <laughs> ranked brown belt middleweight, Tarek Hapstock
0: has joined the chat. The Tarek Oplata, master. I got, I got to learn uh, that, Tarek Oplata. I went to, um, oh my God, why am I? Royal Royal Camp. It, it's uh, actually Jackson Stowe's is involved in that. It's a, a seminar series that kind of jumps around Europe. I believe it's been in Amsterdam twice now. And Tarek, I think he's been at both of those. And he taught the Tarko Plata. It's a sweet, sweet shoulder lock submission. I
2: do it all the time. And uh, on the subject of those AJP title fights, they had a, they had different rules for these. They had, like, advantages counted as a point. They mm-hmm. changed it up from the actual tournament rules. But he had some upsets there. He had Sagiuro, small upset, beat Dota Line. Dota Line's had a great year this year. Sagiuro... Beat him, moves up in the rankings, and, uh, well, the other one wasn't really a surprise. Izaki beat Negromante at uh, 85 kilograms.
0: Sagioro is super tough, man. I, I feel like he, he doesn't get the shine sometimes, you know, because his game isn't the flashiest. He is a lot of, like, deep half-guard, half-guard stuff where he just manages to get the sweep. But he, he is one of the toughest dudes, I think.
2: Yeah, he, he was seven going in that uh, Isaac Daudeline was ranked number four. He's, I mean, he won, won Brasileiro. He had a great year. He won, like, 35 matches or something this year. And, yes, Ajiro uh, beat him pretty handily, so moves up, uh, moves up to number four. Passes Isaac, who moves to number five.
0: More results from Rio. Uh, Andy Murasaki and Connor DeAngelis also had great performances. Uh, they've moved to number one in their respective divisions. Dude, Is that correct?
2: these guys' brackets were crazy. These were like world's brackets right there. I mean, Murasaki, okay, he beats number four middleweight uh, Costa from uh, Gigo. This guy won Brasileiro last year. He beats number one at lightweight, Lucas Portazio, by advantage, by four advantage. Portazio is the guy who won his bracket at Worlds last year. Beats Victor Nach- Nachao from Feijon, former Purple Belt World champ. who was number
0: five. So he won, I think, five matches, but three guys who were ranked top ten. That's like a Worlds bracket. Yeah, that's really speaks to the difficulty, and that's one of the closest things that we look at uh, when we're making these rankings in it, it, the criteria, is like how big are the brackets? What is the level the guys are going through? And as you said, that's, that's the world level right there.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is... I mean, and then you look at Connor, Connor D'Angelo's. Okay, he had slipped a little bit after his super fight lost to Rita in, in, in Korea where he got tapped. But he goes out he beats this guy, Joao Tijewski, I don't know, it's like a Polish name, but he's from Felipe Pena's number five at medium-heavy. Beats Lucas Lo- Lisboa from Cicero Costa, number three at li- medium-heavy. Then he fights number one, a Dream Art guy, number one middleweight, the weight class down, Lucas Guilberto in the final and beats him. So... He beat three top five guys. It's a big day. Yeah. I mean, they basically both won world brackets. So they were both pretty high up already. They both jumped to number one at uh, their weight classes. Andy at Brown Belt Light, Connor at Brown belt medium heavy.
1: Ricardo, have you guys trained with either of those two two kids there coming up? No. I mean, uh, I think that they're kind of uh, past the days when I went to visit Autos in the past. You know, I haven't really gotten a chance to train with them. But I was just going to say, here in Rio, has, you know, there's so many, so many the upper belt divisions that we people don't even know about like i know that bianca Basilio was saying she had almost like 14 to sixteen in her division alone so the the ajp tour rio event is probably one of the biggest toughest tournaments i think in the whole series for those guys to do so well it's just a credit to how truly good they are
0: you actually did a, a little breakdown there bianca basilio's footlock i think we have um a clip of that as well. Let's talk about that. Let's preview it. It's not the whole clip here, Ricardo, but what what were you doing when you when you made this? What were you looking at?
1: Well, I've been really trying to study how she, you know, does this footlock because she's been winning with this like almost every event. And uh, I was talking to her the other day. She told me that at Pans in 2017, she almost won every single match with the footlock. They call it the bochinha in Brazil. And I just wanted to kind of you know show how she does the footlock a little bit differently. Maybe, like, the Nogi guys, one of her guys, and and Craig Jones. And it's a different position. Of course, she uses the the, top one as opposed to, like, grabbing both hands. So she plays a different game. And she she kind of jumbles together uh, submission attempts with sweeps. It's a really cool thing i am trying to play with it a little bit at my academy, teaching some of the guys. So it was really cool. I got to dissect it for you guys, and I get to apply it in the academy where I train and teach as well. But it's a really good position, and she's just so good at it.
2: Well, in Rio, she just got Luisa Montero with another one. Second time she hit Lu- yeah. Luisa Montero with a footlock.
1: Yeah, she she did it at World Pro. I know that it was a bit of a controversy of how the knee turned down the direction Luisa turned, but, man, she's vicious with it. It doesn't matter if it's – you know, uh, illegal technique or a lot, like she's tapping girls out. And that's, that's kind of rare to see sometimes, you know, I'd rather see somebody, what I like to call submission Hunter, just go after it. Like she does than just go there and just kind of play points, which is tough, which is hard, you know, no, no, no discredit to that, but it's more, it's always more exciting to see the submission hunters compete. And Bianca is just without a doubt. One of the best there is.
2: Yeah. She got, well, she got Fionn with it at worlds. She got Anna Schmidt at yep. BGJ Stars. Anna Schmidt, the girl who just beat her in the world final. She, she's tapping really good girls with this footlock all over
1: the place. Bianca yeah, Gilles. and she's got she's got several different entries that she does from it. If she's on top, she falls back into it. She sets it up from Delaheva. She sets it up from single single leg X. She's got a whole little system that I've been kind of studying on my own end. So very, very cool to see. And, you know, she probably I would love to get. St- you know, serious. This is your job. You're the stats guy. Let's yeah. find out how many footlocks she's had in the last two years since she debated, debuted at Black Belt.
2: In the last two years, all
1: right. Yeah, all right. I, I, I can since figure, she's I, debuted in general, no, it's been
2: like three. Yeah, yeah. I could probably get into that. I could look it up. Uh, I mean, she competes so much; it's going to be hard because, like, she does stuff. She wins. Like, she won BGJ Stars, and she went did like a local like Naga equivalent tournament the next day. She just pops. Yeah. She just rolls all up. The time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she just yeah just shows up and does everything.
1: She shows up, she breaks legs, and she has a big smile on her face. That's why she's yeah, one of my yeah, favorite these competitors. Girls That's the
0: scariest part of this whole
1: thing. <laughs> these yeah. girls
2: are uh, limping uh, off the mat, and she's just you know got her big smile and walking around. Yeah, it's
1: it's epic every time. And, and it, What's funny is I said it in the video. It's more often than not when you see her arm being raised in victory, you don't see her opponent because she's in the medic room or something. She's getting her leg looked after. It's always Bianca by herself with a big smile like, oh, I won, I'm happy, but I just broke someone's <laughs> leg.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, viewers out there, I'm putting a, a, putting a poll to you. Do you think Ricardo should do his breakdowns in the Batman voice or his normal voice? Because Ricardo's got like a really nice, deep, husky voice that he can do sometimes for his preview
1: videos. I think we should bring that back. Who are you going to do next? I will. <laughs> no, I've been I've been thinking about the Batman voice a little bit, but I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking about doing like a Bochina, uh study overall, looking at a bunch of guys like Kavaka, you know, Basilio. I have some other BGG Felipe history Andrew. products that I'm really... Oh, yeah, I
0: got yeah. him in there.
1: I, also, I also got a really good um, backlog of footage of the Bravo choke when it first came out, stuff that I recorded myself. So stay tuned for that you one. You're talking about the like history the- of the Bravo choke.
2: Talk about like the Gi Bravo with the lapel or like when they call the Darcy Bravo sometimes.
1: The Gi Bravo lapel yeah, yeah, made famous by Leo Vieira and Shaolin 2001 BJJ history video on that coming soon. Very nice.
0: Yeah, by the way, guys, Ricardo's got a fire uh, YouTube channel where a lot of these old archived matches you can't see anywhere else can be found. Ricardo, what's that written out as? Ricardo Amendolia BJJ?
1: Ricardo Amendola, BJJ, go there, subscribe. appreciate the plug, guys. And, uh, you know, I do some of my own little, uh, you know, analyzing and stuff like that. But I have a lot of archive stuff that I've collected over the years. So, trying to, you know, trying to educate the younger viewers on some of the history of the sport. I love, a lot of Asian guys, when I see them at tournaments, they come up to me and they're like, man, I love those history videos. I love when you talk about the ocean. So, you know, hopefully some of the new guys appreciate that as well.
0: It's definitely fun for us. You know, I'm definitely of the... Nutella generation. I'm a I'm a newer newer uh, representative of jiu-jitsu, so it's good to have some some of the old guys tell me what's up.
2: Hey Rick, so uh, before you got to go, I know you got to cut out soon. What do you think? We got a crazy match coming up. One th- fight to win. One thirty one. Ty Ty Rotolo and Wagner Hoshi. What do you think about this thing?
1: Oh man, I don't know what to think. I'll. But I, the, the, what I do think about this match is that Wagner is is a very aggressive man. But Ty's jujitsu, <laughs> jiu jujitsu is very aggressive. So even though he might not be, you know, mean and nasty as Wagner, it's aggressive. So what I see happening is he's going to take it to Wagner. He's going to go in unintimidated, and Wagner is going to he's going to give him a little check. He's going to say, "All right, I'm in, in a fight a now." Well, you know, I could give him a little something, <laughs> something smack in the face, and say, yeah. "All right, this is fight to win. Welcome to my territory." But I can't wait to see this. Um, you know, huge props to Wagner for stepping up. Not a yeah. lot of guys want to take People's that scared. match, especially yeah, especially after ADCC. Not just how technical, but he freaking almost broke Meow's knee there. Did you see that? Yeah, what? crazy. You know what I mean? Like, so people like a lot of competitors they don't want to fight Rotolo because of the reputation thing, losing to a you know a lower belt. But also, I mean, the guy is so good. His technical ability is amazing. Well, but watching them, him and his brother, since they're kids, and it's insane. I see. I remember seeing a video. Doing six or six years old doing bare bolo's and diapers and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy.
2: <laughs> everybody on everybody at Atos is really high on those guys. They just talk about them like they're unbeatable. And uh, yeah, I mean the, the funny thing is that the matchup is against Wagner, who's like one of the I don't want to. Yeah, I'll just say one of the dirtiest guys out there. I feel he's—he he's, really, oh, he really—he's just, just aggressive, really, really Dirty's rough, mean. aggressive guy. I mean, if he puts just, his hand over Ty's mouth, I'm going to call the cops. I don't. <laughs> yeah. nah. Listen,
1: listen. There's there's a difference between dirty and aggressive. He's aggressive. Yeah. He pushes the boundaries. He, he, he likes bit. to
2: get in guys' heads. He, he hits a little like yeah, palm know. strike to the chest, yeah. and it works for him. Everybody except JT lets him, gets, gets frustrated by it.
1: Yeah, JT is the only guy that I've seen uh, compete against Wagner that is just laser-focused, doesn't affect him at all. So it's I can't wait to see that match. And, you know, the cool thing is Rotolo can go to JT and ask for advice on how to beat Wagner. So it's going to be interesting. But, you know, we talk about the aggressiveness. We talk about maybe the dirtiness of Wagner. Wagner is one of the most skilled grapplers on the planet. The first time I ever saw the the 2010 ADCC North American Trials in New Jersey I, couldn't, I didn't even know what was going on. So, that, you know, the guy has got really, really slick technique, training with some of the best at fight sport, and he's been around for a while. So, I mean, the question is, what new technique can a roto- little brother to the show? We'll find out. That's right. That's this weekend
0: at Fight to Win 131. It's uh, out there in Richmond, California. That's a great card, actually. We also have some other uh, badass matches there. We have Murillo Santana. We'll be taking on Josh Hinger and Evan Nafe versus Jamie Canuto in the gi some yeah. fun stuff there. Ricardo, you got to cut out now or are you good?
1: Yeah guys, thank you so much for having me. I got to cut out. I got to go teach jiu-jitsu no-gi class. I'm going to be thinking about Rotolo and Wagner as I teach, trying to, you know, emulate some of the positions there as as humbly as I can, but thanks so much for having me guys. I'll see you guys next week. Hopefully you have me back on.
2: No, yeah, you're a regular now. You're you're part of the You crew. made the cut, Ricardo. You're part of the crew. Yeah, I love having you here. Thanks for coming uh, thanks for coming on, Ricardo.
1: All right, guys. See you guys next week.
0: In defense of Wagner, before we move on here, I think some of the same people complaining about his, his tough tactics are the ones that are ardent uh, comp- people that p- p- uh, push jiu-jitsu as a martial art. That is to the death. That is for for killing. And it's like, well, then you get mad that Wagner puts his hand over your mouth, which doesn't even – Cause any pain It's just discomfort. Well, it works for him.
2: I mean, he turns these matches into a scrap. You know, he takes these guys out of their element, gets them frustrated.
0: You know, turns it into a brawl, and then he wins those brawls. Yeah. If you don't like it, make it against the rules. And you know, I think is is the muffler illegal in ADCC? I think it actually might be considered illegal. The or the the python, whatever.
2: I don't know. I don't know where it's illegal, but uh, (laughs) I imagine it's not illegal in Fight to Win. Out of all places, that'd be the last place it's it's illegal. But uh, yeah, okay, another crazy matchup there. Hinger and Marillo. Let's talk that. Yes, Both two yes. guys I really like to
0: watch. That's number six uh, ranked Marillo Santana, leader of Unity Jiu-Jitsu, taking on Josh Hinger, number three ranked uh, Atos All-Star athlete. There. Yeah,
2: I got to change those nogi rankings. Shout out to uh, Felipe uh, Pomaski, won uh, nogi Europeans, and uh, I got to move him up. He beat Marillo there, and uh, he's been messing with me for a couple weeks to change those nogi rankings. I got to get on it. But this is a rematch. Marillo, do you remember Armin Guillotine Hinger? A couple years ago at Nogi World. This
0: is like 2016 Nogi World? Yeah, Worlds? yeah, something like that. Yeah, he basically okay. hit
2: Hinger with his own move. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting matchup, right? Because, well, I mean, Josh always going for the finish. He's getting to that chin strap and going for the finish. Murillo's got a great Nogi game. He's got the great X guard, reverse, close guard, versus De La Jiva. I mean, great pass. They're both great on top. Uh, I don't know. I, I think they might wrestle a little bit. I, I think both these guys are going to want to be on top in this match.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um... I'm curious to see if the pacing of, of Hinger comes into play here. He, of course, just came off of ADCC camp. You know, he's in the greatest shape of his life. Marillo competes a lot, but I don't think he did the ADCC camp-style training that Hinger has.
2: No, Marillo did ADCC. Well, he
0: got Paul already, right? Huh? Oh, he got, he did do ADCC. Yeah, what am I he, saying? Did, yeah he did I'm ADCC. I'm losing my mind out yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, then they're both in great shape. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to that match and, and fight to win. You know, maybe we will see them open up their games a little bit, not be as conservative as as they might be at another tournament. Who beat
2: Murillo at ACC it was, it was somebody John Blank maybe I think I think it was John Blank. I think it was John
0: Blank. Yeah. that's right. Exactly I think, I think the second round in the in the group of death. So they yeah, go to Flow Arena. Bring up Flow Arena. Check out those stats. But moving on here to the uh, next match from Fight to Win that we. Very excited about is that uh, Edwin Najmi, Jamie Canuto match. That's in the gi, and um, Jamie Canuto has been spending some time down in FI Sports though, doing a lot of nogi training. It looks like.
2: Yeah, I was told he was down there for his uh, nogi worlds camp. But I mean, Edwin uh, Seth told us yesterday for spider reasons he want, wants a gi match right now. Obviously, you know he's fighting for hundred grand out there in Korea, so wants a gi match. And I mean, these, this is this is an exciting gi match. Edwin and Jamie. These guys are both finishers, man. Jamie with that killer closed guard. Uh, flying attacks. These guys anyway. both have flying yeah, yeah, attacks. Yeah, yeah. edwin has got the flying triangle. Jamie, Jamie, uh, with the flying arm lock. Remember he flying arm locked hanger at worlds a few years, at like 2017 he, worlds. He does
0: like every single event. He yeah. does a more black belt than Edwin has in a long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would, I would, I would attribute, I, I would associate the Dars more with Edwin at this point, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a dangerous triangle at the, at, at the color belts. He was tearing it up with that, but that's, I mean, for a fight to win, uh, submission only rules. Uh, Jamie and Edwin's a great matchup, for sure.
0: 100%. Definitely stay tuned for a more in-depth preview on Fight to Win 131 coming this week. Um, but let's move on to Spider's 76-kilogram preview here. I think we have the bracket uh, we can put up there for you guys. You might have seen the teaser earlier. Um, this is an insane division. We've been talking a lot about the 100-kilogram guys, but 76 kilograms is equally stacked. Um,
2: yeah, Caleb, do you have that uh, graphic of the bracket from Spider from Korea? From earlier in the show, there we go. Uh, yeah, this is a crazy matchup, right? Because you are looking at Gabriel Argus got to be cutting a bunch of weight, right?
0: He's the only middleweight in this uh, bracket, yeah. And, uh, and Mateus Lutz probably is cutting a lot of weight
2: too. Think about think about this. Yeah, Mateus Lutz is a big dude too.
0: Gabriel Argus just did
2: eighty eight kilograms at ADCC. Jamil and Mateus Gabriel were sixty six at that weight at that tournament. Yeah, twenty 22- two. 22 kilograms apart that they weighed in at that tournament. I don't know if Gabriel weighed in under, but, yeah, he's definitely making a big weight cut there. He's got to be the favorite, but his first-round
0: matchup could be the final. Gabriel and Levi. With Levi Jones-Leary there. That's a wild match. What do you think about that one? I mean, that that might be one of the toughest matches of the first round. I, I Your assessment seems pretty good, but I'm really looking forward to – the jonathan jameel matchup that's a rematch yeah. and i think that uh could very well be the champion coming out of there but mateus gabriel you can't ignore mateus gabriel i feel like man he's a current featherweight world champion smoked his division got a submission in the final this whole group is this is a sick so let's go one by one maybe just run down the bracket yeah. so it might be a little bit tricky to see on the screen there but uh those are the actual matches and first up on the left we have jonathan Alves versus shane jameel hill taylor Jonathan famously beat Jameel a few weeks after Jameel won worlds, and Jonathan was a brown belt at that yeah, time. He beat Paul Miao in that same tournament, and that's where Jonathan really made a name for himself. I mean, he already had a name, but that's when you know you couldn't be ignored any longer. Uh, to me, that's that's an insane matchup. And
2: I, I mean, it, it was pretty close. I just rewatched it the other day. It came down to basically the last minute. Remember, Jonathan came up and got the advantage, but Jameel like tried to like almost like gramby roll and came yep. on top and uh, thought thought he sh- he thought he should have got two. I mean, it was arguable, but. uh, I mean, yeah, this is a crazy first-round matchup. Uh, Jonathan, probably a little bit bigger. He usually competes a weight class heavier, but Jamil's so good. Uh, who, do you, who, do, who are you thinking? I already, I already wrote my uh, predictions article. I went with Jonathan, but I think this one's sort of a toss-up.
0: So. I might have to go with Jamil on this yeah. one. You know, Jamil's such a technician. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy that really took a lot of lessons home with his first match with, with Jonathan. He's one of the more cerebral athletes in our sport. I think he watches a lot of tape, and I just think uh, – and yeah, Jamil's
2: one of the great minds for Jiu Jitsu. Exactly. Really. There. All those guys turn yeah.
0: to uh, turn to him for technique talk and ideas and strategy. So I think he'll probably have a revised strategy, given that he's competed at Spider several times and has also experienced Jonathan. But it is a, a razor thin matchup and I think you know, you could go with either guy and that's people might be acceptable.
2: confused us calling him Jamil it says Shane Hill Taylor on the bracket, but his name is Shane Jamil Hill Taylor and it seems like most people call him Jamil, so that's
0: what I go with. My bad I, out there. I
2: asked him one time at a tournament. I said, man, your name is Shane Jamil Hill-Taylor. What name do you want me to write you down as an article? He said, hey, just whatever. I don't care. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> and thus the confusion ensues. <laughs> Next up on that bracket, we have Edwin Najmier versus Mateus Gabriel. Um, another kind of great size disparity in that up there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mateus, featherweight. I mean, world champion, pan champion this year. Tapped uh, – Marcio Andre had a, had a really tough run at uh, Pans where he beat Jamil in that beat, re- like, race within final. Yeah, beat like I point. think Sagioro beat half film on so beat some really good guys there. Beat broke Kennedy's arm at that tournament I think mm-hmm. in the first round, and then he won Pan or then he won Worlds where he uh, tapped Marcy Andre in the final. Crazy first year at Black Belt for this guy, and he's going to, up against Edwin who has been doing mostly nogi stuff this year. I mean, even though there's a size disparity, I'd have to favor Mateus here. But I mean, these are. Two big-time finishers here. These guys really want to get the submission. I think if, if I'm looking at this and I'm saying a first-round match, is going to have a submission. It's Edwin versus
0: Mateus. Okay. I like that call. I like that call. I think Mateus is a favorite, but Edwin does have that finishing ability. And... Uh... He's probably coming in very strong to this tournament. Uh, but we talked a little bit about this earlier. I, I'm, I think this might, might be my favorite match of the first round. That's Levi Jones-Leary versus Gabriel Arges. Two of the probably best bolo artists. Maybe Jamil might be up there as well as one of the best. But uh, these guys, Gabriel mean, Arges has Jonathan, like, You said Jamil, one of the best Barambolo guys. Yeah, Jonathan, yeah, excuse yeah, me. Yeah. And um, I'm looking forward to see what how Levi takes on Gabriel Arges there. This is a crazy matchup. I mean,
2: we're talking about Argus is big. He's cutting down, right? But Levi's not a small lightweight. He's super strong as well. Yeah, he's, Levi's pretty jacked. And, I mean, his back takes are next level. The, the the amount of guys that he got on their back this year. And uh, you look at uh, one of Gabriel's big losses in the last couple of years when uh, Tommy got to his back. I be, I believe Tommy might have, like, matrixed him or something to get there. I can't, can't remember exactly right now. That's right. But ended up
0: kind of standing and going out of bounds, and he walked was Walked out of bounds while he was
2: getting choked. Yeah. He got DQ'd. I mean, I think Levi can get on anybody's back at Black Belt. He's, he's that good at it. But Gabriel is such a master tactician. I think if Gabriel gets to fifty fifty, he's going to take it. It's a great point. If uh, if Levi can keep it open, and plays daily heave guard, or if it goes to the double pull, I think I think he got a big advantage for Levi there with, with his. I mean his his Baron Bolo technique is so clean, so crisp. You can tell he drills that stuff to death. I mean he just makes it look easy getting on these guys back. I mean he he didn't get the get the back, but he got two Baron Bolo and uh, Lucas Lepry last yep. year. Yeah. Yep.
0: Famous uh, breakout performance from Levi there in his first major, beating Lucas. Uh, it's just deep Dale Heavy De X as well was on display in that match.
2: But I, I mean, I, I consider Gabriel to be like, I mean, he's number one at middleweight for a reason. He's the world champ, and I consider him to be one of the best tacticians in the gi, one of the best uh, strategists at strategizing a match and just pulling out that win time after time after time.
0: Moving on to the final match of the first round, we have Mateus Lutz, uh, the only brown belt in this division, taken on in Sung Jang. What does Mateus got to do to get his black belt, man? He's been yeah, elite he's for been, a long time, yeah, I feel like. He's been brown belt for a while. <laughs>
2: uh, this, this is the, the part of the bracket that doesn't really make sense to me, but that's how it gets a spider. They just do what they want. They don't, uh, there's no rhyme or reason to it, really. I think Jonathan or Jamil or Arjis or, or Levi would have been ranked higher than both of these guys. Actually, I think these are probably the bottom two seats, in my opinion. They get to fight each other first round. So whoever wins there is going to have the tough task of the Levi Argus winner, but I think you got a favorite, Matthias Lutz. Matthias Lutz, uh, he should be a little bit bigger. He's, I mean, he's a beast. Uh, these guys are both Spider veterans, though,
0: and uh, Insung does have the home field advantage. You know, travel is real, and yeah, they're going a long way over to Korea, so that could Insung come up to beat play. AJ at this event? Remember? That's right. When it, he was a brown boat, he got a, he got an extra stripe,
2: got an extra stripe on his brown boat after beating AJ. I believe. Oh man,
0: yeah. Uh, either way, Spider is shaping up to be, uh, as you guys can probably tell, one of our most uh, exciting events of the fall that's going to happen November 23rd from Seoul, Korea for our viewers back in the States. That's actually going to be Friday night, November 22nd. I'll be on the ground with, uh, our friend Ryan Smith bringing you all the inside access and coverage. There we will be out there in Korea for several days. I think, uh, three full days, maybe even before the event starts. So you'll see a lot of cool behind the scenes stuff there.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'm jealous that you're going to go on that trip. I want to go to Korea, but, uh, Quick before before we we got three minutes left we got a few things to run through here upcoming uh events on flow and BJ fanatics it's a great event nogi submission only November fifteenth we're gonna be streaming it Gordon Ryan's gonna be there
0: I love that Gordon staying busy
2: yeah Gordon Ryan's gonna this was this is submission only nogi EBI overtime uh the cash prize BJ fanatics guys are running it like, promising uh, pr- uh instructional deals to people Gordon you got Hulk and Trator the guys who beat in the semifinals and finals at ADCC. Tex Johnson, Dante Leon, Kyle Bame who's pretty hot right now, Jonatas Gracie, you got uh, Keith McCory. I see John Combs in there, but we saw him in Denver. He's got a knee problem. I don't, I don't think he'll yeah, be yeah, there. Yeah,
0: he might not be in. Either way, stat bracket, you know, you got to favor Gordon, but anything can happen we'll, in the tournament.
2: We'll get into that one a little deeper next week. Grapplefest. Also uh,
0: happening November 23rd. The
2: same day as Spider, but, I mean, they're on different parts of the world, so you can probably watch them both. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Jones versus Adam Wardzinski, main event crazy one the
0: title uh, was on the line there I believe
2: yeah I mean uh, obviously Craig killed at ACC Adam went one and one but he just recently won Nogi Euros both Rotolo brothers are there uh, I believe Ty is fighting Halpin Thomas Halpin mm-hmm. and uh, Cade is fighting a guy from Absolute MMA I cannot remember the name right now Dante Leone and Marcio Andre are going to fight there so three big time uh, Nogi matches that's actually an 85 kilogram match Marcio Andre's what yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah, like I said that's kind of a tough Marcio match an- for Marcio but he's yeah he's- Packing on some pounds
2: there. Yeah, he's been lifting weights a or just diet. eating a lot. I don't know, yeah. Uh, after that, maybe one of the biggest matches of the year, Third Coast Grappling, Gordon Ryan and Adolfo Vieira.
0: December 7th, coming out of Houston, Texas at a Third Coast Grappling. That is going to be fire. Maybe the match of the year, all eyes, of course, on Gordon. Like we said, it's crazy. Adolfo's
2: doing a gi tournament at Spider. Two weeks later, he's fighting the best guy in the world, no gi. Uh, so I don't know how he's preparing for that. He's just been and Nogi train at the same time. Hamilo and Jake Shields, Nogi match there, sort of interesting. Another Edwin match. Edwin's involved in everything that we're talking about.
0: Edwin's fighting Doreno and the Gi there. Doreno's staying busy too, man. I yeah. saw he was in New York training with Gordon, then he was just over at AOJ today. I don't know what he's going on in his life, but he's training a lot of jiu so, so
2: tune in next week. We'll break down these events a little bit uh, more in depth. And, uh, yeah, that's basically
0: it for today, huh? Thanks for watching Who's Number One, Chase and Michael. We'll see you guys next week, 11 a.m. EST every Wednesday. And have a good rest of your Wednesday, folks.
1: I'm going to start
2: you off with literally the greatest jujitsu quote ever spoken was from Nick Rodriguez. I'm running him through some of the the back attack system details, and he's just finishing people left and right. At the end of it, he goes like, yeah, I don't remember too much about that arm trap stuff, but I know one thing. If I can lock my hands anywhere below your eyebrows, I'm going to strangle you unconscious.
1: Put him with his back and they're going to pass him. I'll beat him. I'll beat him. I'll I'll be him no problem. For sure. Nicky
2: Rod. I've been telling everybody about Nicky Rod.
1: I'm fucking ready. I'm in the best shape of my life. Yes, yes, yes. He's, he's the one in a million. He's just different than everybody. Let's go! Take down, it's going to be fucking hand fighting, it's going to be throwing dudes around, breaking faces, breaking arms. I a fuck, man, I'm ready. Watch this fucking kid. Best that's ever lived. The future of the fucking sport right here.